Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, a young boy witnesses a terrible crime. He was gagged. His been tied. Our hands were tied and everything. The chief suspect virtually turns himself in. He appeared exactly like the composite sketch. We have him with no alibi. But forensic tests failed to tie him to the crime. It was not a cheerful day for the prosecution. I couldn't believe they were going to let him walk to possibly do this to somebody else. Could forensics provide the answer? Village Mobile Home Park in Delaware was home to 32-year-old Kay Robinson, a single mother living with her 11-year-old son. Laurel is a farming town, and a regular working-class person lives there. One night, around 2 in the morning, Kay was awakened by someone banging on her front door. She went to the door, look out the window, and see this stranger out there. They said they want to use the telephone. Said their name was Jack Wilson, and they, they needed a, a ride. Could they use the telephone? Kay refused to let Wilson inside. You can't come inside. I think you should leave. You need to go. Kay Robinson called 911, and uh, the Delaware State Police did respond, but didn't see anything out of the ordinary. So they cleared the scene without any further investigation. Thinking everything was all right, Kay went back to bed. A half hour later, she was awakened again by a noise in her kitchen. That's when she saw the same man she had seen on her porch in her kitchen, holding a butcher knife. He chased Kay through the house, grabbed her by the arm, put a knife to her throat, and told her to follow his orders. If not, he said he'd kill her son, who was in the adjoining bedroom. From that point, as little she could do, it was just completely three hours of torture, just horrific torture that she endured. After sexually assaulting her... The man told Kay that he lived in the same mobile home park and had two children. Then he stabbed her almost 30 times and left her for dead. Before leaving, the perpetrator checked on Kay's son, who pretended to be asleep. When the man left the house, Kay's son rushed to their neighbor's house for help. And one of them 
911, what's your emergency? Um, it's my next door neighbor has been robbed and she's been stabbed. It sounded like they might have raped her. Police arrived to find Kay near death. Her neck was cut as bad as anyone's neck I've ever seen in my life. She was stabbed several times in her back. I, it was over 25 times. And her neck was cut basically from side to side. As Kay was rushed to the hospital, paramedics noticed that her attacker had drawn a smiley face on her back in her own blood. The smiley face is one of those chilling details uh, of a crime scene uh, that seems to serve no purpose other than to sort of mock or demean the victim of that attack. You have to know that this person is very sick and very violent and, and possibly a serial killer. Miraculously, despite being stabbed 28 times, Kay survived. When I woke up, I didn't want to be there. I was furious that I was on life support. My throat was cut in 10 to 15 different places. I basically felt like he was trying to decapitate me. Um, I felt like I was in a horror movie. They didn't sever her carotid artery or her jugular vein or spinal cord so that she would have been paralyzed or anything like that. She's extremely lucky. It's just unbelievable, a miracle in my book. And I think everybody felt that way. Kay not only survived, she said she'd be able to identify her attacker if she ever saw him. He didn't blindfold me. I was making myself remember every little detail that I could about him, um, right down to the length of his fingernails. All police had to do was find him. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Kay Robinson will never forget the look on the man's face who mercilessly stabbed her over and over again. He was asking, are you dead yet, bitch? And when I tried to reply, I mean, he continued stabbing me with even more force. I knew right away that I was going to have to pretend to be dead. This is a very brutal crime. And the way it happened, the random way it happened, and the horrific way it happened, let everybody start feeling a little bit uneasy and a little bit unsafe. The intent was to kill. It was not to wound. It was not to leave a mark. It was to kill. The attacker did something police found highly unusual. 
He left the bedroom light on throughout the attack. So Kay was able to watch him over an extended period. From her description, police artists created a composite sketch which was released to the media. However, they didn't tell the media about the smiley face drawing the attacker made on Kay's back. It was not part of any press release. Therefore, this would be something that would only be known to the attacker or be uh, familiar with to the attacker. Kay also said she made a mental record of everything he touched. The man took pains to wipe off his fingerprints, but Kay thought he might have overlooked one of the items, a blue glass. He drank out of the glass, and then he made a point to take his sleeve and wipe the prints off of the glass, but then grabbed the glass out of his hand and set it back on the table. There were several prints on the glass. We thought it may have been some kind of a lubricant used by the perpetrator. Fearful that the prints might smear or even melt, Hegman placed the glass in a freezer. The idea to put the tumbler in the freezer was actually to set the print to cause it to become rigid so we could apply powder at some point in time and lift it. Three full prints were lifted and photographed. Two weeks after the attack, police were called again to Kay Robinson's home, this time by her neighbors. They said a man drove up to Kay's home, lit a candle and got down on his knees to pray. He was very concerned that the person who attacked Kay Robinson be apprehended and wanted to pray for that to happen and to assist police in any way that he could. The man was 38-year-old Doug De Silva. In his truck, taped to his windshield, he had a newspaper article about the case with a copy of the attacker's composite sketch. When he was asked about that, why he had that, he said that so that he could drive down the road and look for the suspect and keep his eye on the composite at the same time to try to find someone that looked just like that. But someone did look just like that. Doug De Silva. De Silva lived a hundred miles away, but his ex-wife and daughter both lived in the same mobile home park as Kay Robinson. A year earlier, he was a suspect in the murder of a 16-year-old girl at a nearby high school. Police brought De Silva in for questioning. In the middle of the interrogation, he did something very odd. He asked for a job application because he said he wanted to become a state trooper. We thought maybe that he might even be taunting us at that point. We were very suspicious of that. Police put together a photo lineup, and Kay Robinson identified De Silva as the man who attacked her. It was more like an, an internal reaction. So with the physical appearance and that, I was very confident that that was the person that attacked me. And Kay's son also identified De Silva. The man actually came into his room and he was able to see him, but he pretended to be asleep. So he was able to also get a good enough look at the person uh, that he was able to also identify him in a, in a photo lineup. When De Silva completed his job application to become a policeman, he turned it in. That's when investigators noticed 
the most bizarre thing they'd ever encountered. There was a smiley face on the bottom of the document, and that had the same chilling effect on the investigators because they knew that on Kay Robinson's back that the attacker had drawn a smiley face in blood. Since this detail hadn't been released to the press, investigators were certain they had their man. Doug DeSilva never did deny that he was involved in the Kay Robinson case. He'd made several statements that he was sorry for what happened to her, wanted to apologize for what happened. But investigators and Kay Robinson were in for a big surprise. Just two weeks after Kay Robinson's vicious attack, she identified Doug De Silva as her assailant. From the photo lineup, I was very certain. I wanted to hear him say something to be sure that that was him. When I heard him speak, I thought that that was the person that was in my home. De Silva had no alibi for the night of the crime. I've never been so sure in my life as a detective that Doug De Silva was, a, was the right person. De Silva was arrested and charged with the attempted murder of Kay Robinson. He said to tell her, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it. I, I remember going there, but I don't remember stabbing her. To me, that's a confession. But then came the bad news. De Silva's fingerprints did not match the prints taken from the blue plastic glass in Kay's home. The fact that we didn't get any fingerprints that matched Doug De Silva's from the scene never led us to believe that he, he wasn't the suspect, because a lot of times we don't find any fingerprints. And perhaps the worst piece of news was that De Silva's DNA profile did not match the evidence collected from Kay Robinson's rape kit. DNA evidence has conclusively ruled out Douglas De Silva as being involved in this crime. It was, I mean, almost like being struck in the head by a two-by-four. We were extremely shocked. It was like someone had punched you in the stomach. This was devastating. The investigators, the prosecutors in the case did, were just flabbergasted, did not know what to do. In fact, they ran the DNA test twice just to make sure. Again, the DNA didn't match. And at that point, you can't go forward with the prosecution of Douglas De Silva. Even though the DNA report said that this wasn't the person that broke into my home, I was still convinced that it was. I couldn't believe they were going to let him walk to possibly do this to somebody else. So Kay decided to take matters into her own hands. I bought a gun. I found out where he lived. I went to his house. I sat outside of his home. I wanted to go to the door and knock on the door and just ask him if he remembered me. And, I mean, I just wanted to take care of it myself. But Kay thought better of it. The primary reason was my son. I wanted to raise my son. I didn't want to be in jail. But if De Silva wasn't the perpetrator, a violent sexual sadist was walking the streets and police had no new suspects. I will never be able to understand why a man who was innocent of a crime allowed himself to get so close to the crime and allowed himself to become so suspect. You go back through your investigation because then you start to doubt yourself a little bit. Did I miss something? 
Did I overlook something? Years passed with no solid leads. The longer we worked, the colder the case got. Then, nine years later, Detective Rob Hudson got a call from detectives 30 miles away in neighboring Maryland. They had a case that was very similar to the 1995 case with Kay Robinson. The Maryland victim was a single mother living in a mobile home. So she saw a man in her room, bedroom, and she thought she was dreaming. She saw a knife and a rolling pin in his hand, and uh, he told her he was not going to hurt her if she gave him what he wanted. The man tied her up, sexually assaulted her, and carried on a lengthy conversation. When she pleaded for her son's life, the man's demeanor changed. He begged her for forgiveness, and then he gave her some directions to not get up until a certain time and take a shower. And then she was allowed to go to work, but not to call the police. The man's point of entry, a broken window at the front of the house. 43-year-old Mark Eskridge was tied to that crime through his fingerprints. The known standards of one Mark Eskridge were identified to the latent prints that were recovered from the glass from the point of entry from the crime scene. The Kate Robinson case is similar in many ways. Single mothers in a trailer park with a son, early morning hours, uh, lots of conversation. Uh, a knife was used in both. And Eskridge looked similar to the composite drawing of Kay Robinson's attacker nine years earlier. Unfortunately, Eskridge's fingerprints did not match the prints on the drinking glass found in Kay Robinson's home. And Kay Robinson said Eskridge wasn't her attacker. Would this be yet another dead end? Mark Eskridge was the prime suspect in the rape and attempted murder of Kay Robinson after he committed a similar crime in Maryland. A background check revealed that Eskridge, who was married and had a small child, lived in the same mobile home park as Kay Robinson when the attack occurred. He lived, in fact, just a few streets away from Kay Robinson. He may have had the opportunity to observe her uh, and know that she resided in that house with her son. Investigators were sure that Eskridge was their man. But there was only one problem. Kay Robinson was unable to identify Mark Eskridge as her attacker. That was not the man that broke into my home. But it had been nine years since her attack. Memories change, and so did Eskridge's appearance. Fortunately, investigators had the DNA of Kay Robinson's attacker. And when they compared Eskridge's DNA to the biological sample from Kay Robinson's rape test kit, investigators finally got the answer they'd been waiting for. When I received the call that the DNA was a match, I couldn't believe it. I was overjoyed. I couldn't wait to call Kay Robinson. I went through a lot of emotions. I thought, oh my God, I'm glad I didn't kill De Silva because it would have been the wrong guy. But, I mean, he could have been his twin. They were identical. 
Investigators believe Mark Eskridge targeted Kay Robinson since they lived in the same mobile home park, and he probably knew she was a single mother living alone with her son. Prosecutors think that Eskridge knocked on Kay's door, claiming he had car trouble because he wanted to make sure no men were in her home. Later that night, he broke in and attacked. He told Kay that he lived nearby because he had no intention of letting her live. He attacked her repeatedly with a knife. But Kay Robinson's will to survive was too great. I still had a life to live. And I wanted my life back, and I was going to take it back a piece at a time. Eskridge left valuable DNA evidence behind, more reliable than any eyewitness. A decade after the crime, Mark Eskridge went on trial for the sexual assault and attempted murder of Kay Robinson. He was convicted and sentenced to life in prison, plus 20 years. Authorities cite the case as a reason to be skeptical of eyewitness identifications, especially when the witness is under extreme duress. We have an eyewitness identification, which is as certain as certain can be. But you have science and DNA evidence telling you otherwise. Doug De Silva's bizarre behavior and his equally bizarre resemblance to the actual attacker almost landed him in jail. Doug De Silva's whereabouts are unknown, even to his ex-wife. It's still very, very strange and very puzzling as to why Doug De Silva had ever gotten involved in the case, why he introduced himself into the case. You always know somebody's going to get caught or you're going to catch him. It's just you don't know when sometimes. So I just say, you know, hats off to DNA is a great, a great tool. And I tell you, it's, it, in this case, to be able to free one man and convict another, I think that says a lot for justice. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.